if your life is not based on a preceding word. Because the preceding word is the thing that's going to release you. It's going to release life in you. And it's going to release you into the life that God has destined for you to have. Are y'all following this? And so God really is very interested in His people living on a preceding word. And His people being a supernatural people. Right? We're not just supposed to be natural people, right? We're not just supposed to be spiritual people, right? Come on. You're supposed to be a supernatural person, which is the natural and the spiritual put together equals supernatural. Y'all got that? That's really important. That's the, like the three parts of our life that we are living on this earth. We're natural people, and we're supposed to be having superna- our, our spiritual experiences. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. And when we are naturally walking in the Spirit, when we're engaging in this, both worlds, the world of the Spirit and the world of the natural, then we can really become the supernatural people that God's called us to be. But it takes a preceding word from God to really have that. Yeah, it really is. So Now, this is interesting here that Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament. Man does not live by bread alone. It's something God, I wanted to read where it came from because I think it's really, really cool. It comes out of Deuteronomy. And this was when Israel had been walking in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay? And that season was coming to an end. Finally, after 40 years, and a lot of people dying, it was time for them to go into the promised land. I mean... For 40 years. And a whole generation died in the wilderness. And another generation was raised in the wilderness. And it, but it was their time to, to go in. And God was talking to them. God was explaining things to them. And he was describing to them about what had gone on. Because lots of time, I, this is the way God works. I, I hate this. He sort of explains things after after the fact. It's, it's sort of like if you've gone through this, God suddenly shows up and starts talking to you. Explaining what was going on and why this was happening. Because God really requires us to walk in faith at times. And, and there's times where God, when we don't understand. And we can't figure it out. You know? Like we're going to figure out God anyway. Like that's a dumb thought as it is. You know, sometimes God just says, just get up and go. Just, just keep going. And I found that to be one of the greatest uh, secrets to, to overcoming and to, to getting, Marlon said it, this little phrase, whatever you're going through. You ever, you ever think about that phrase? Whatever you're going through. And for the Christian, going through is everything. For the Christian, is no matter what, you, what situation you find yourself in, the key is keep going. Right. You know, don't buy property in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, don't don't settle down there. Don't move in there. A lot of believers do that. A lot of people give up there somewhere. But the, the victors, the overcomers, are some are people who just in their hearts they want to just keep going. They don't understand what God's doing. They don't even know if the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train coming out of it. They, they can't tell the difference. But all they know, we're just going to keep going and we're going to do what we know God said. And we're going to trust in the integrity of God that at some place in time, we're going to come out of this. And perhaps God will explain Himself. And, but perhaps He will not. Okay, perhaps He will not explain Himself. 
And I think that's a critical thing for us. Is there's times when we have to settle. God, even if, you ne- if I never understand it. If you never explain yourself. I'm still going on with you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to worship you. I mean, that's what they were hitting on this morning in worship. About the worship. They were hitting on this thing. About this is your moment. Okay? That you can worship God in your worst moments or, your, your, or in the midst of your trial. And you'll never get that moment back. And you'll never get to do that in heaven. You won't get to worship God in trials in heaven. It's just not going to work. Because there's no trial in heaven. The trial's here. But what about when you walk through your trial? And you're at the, end of the, at the other end and God's not explaining himself. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Are you going to choose at that moment? I'm still going to bow to you. There was a scripture somewhere, a back eye or somewhere. Or, yeah, or Hosea. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, though there's no what rain in the barn, no fruit on the vine, yet I will worship you. And see, that's a heart that God wants in all of us. I don't think God wants all of us to live at that place, but he wants a heart in us. And I think many people have gone through stuff. They've gone through, it's, it's been like you've been terrorized almost. But there's this heart that has risen up that says, I don't get this, I don't like this. I, I would love for you to talk to me about this more, but if you ever choose to talk to me about it, if, you never, if, you ne- if it's never settled in my heart and mind what this means, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going on with you. I'm still going to follow you. Are y'all, are y'all engaging in this? That's just what following Jesus is about. If you can't find that, if you can't, if you can't embrace that, you're gonna. There's a part of Him you'll never know. There's a part of Christ you'll never know. If you can't embrace that, I know this is not popular Christian theology, but it's real. It's very real, and I don't know why I'm talking to you about because I didn't plan to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe supernatural. It may be supernatural. There you go. <laughs> So I really encourage you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. I just love, I just want to say this. I love the phrase of that song. In our losses and in our victory. Didn't you love that? In our losses. All I was thinking, Lord, we have walked through some losses. We've walked through some devastation. We've lost some things, Lord. We were crushed, Lord. But we've also had some victory. We've also had some glorious moments, some glorious times. The glorious times didn't swell our heads. We didn't become know-it-alls. We didn't become where we, we were talking about this scripture this morning. The rich man answers roughly, but the poor man offers entreaties. Uh, we didn't become that rich man that we were treating people roughly and had all the answers. And we didn't let it go to our heads. Some people... Their blessings go to their head. They think it's about them, what they've done. We didn't let that happen. But we didn't let the losses crush us. We didn't let the losses cause us to leave the Lord, cause us to forsake the Lord, to become angry with God. Sure, we may have had those moments of anger. Sure, that's normal. We've had those moments of disappointment and discouragement and questioning. But we didn't stay there. We didn't stay there. I think that's a beautiful picture of Christianity. I don't love the bad part of it. 
But Jesus promised this word. He said, in this world, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulties. He warned us about it. Every day is not a victory. Every day is not glorious. But he said, but his whole thing is to, you know, follow me. Keep following. Keep coming. Keep walking with me. And God wants to encourage people to do that. No matter where you're at today. And I'm going to tell you, you could have blown it. You could have done everything wrong. I want to say this. You could have done it all wrong. He's saying, it's okay. Come on. I guess God is a God of, people say a second chance in millions. In my life, millions of chances. You know, I'm still getting chances. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and read that Deuteronomy 8 thing. I'm sorry I got off on the law of Christianity. Oh, it's what a friend of mine used to call Byron. You were four-wheeling up there. You know, you drive on a pavement. A four-wheeler, you go off-road, right? You just go, oh, you're four-wheeling preaching. <laughs> but this is where Jesus got this. Remember Matthew 4, 4, man, should not live by bread alone. And you shall, this, and the Lord was talking to him. He said, "You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these, all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you." It's part of part of Christianity. It's a part of Christianity. It's going through things that get you down to who you really are and get down to the reality things. To know what was in your heart. It wasn't that God needed to know what was in their heart. He knew exactly. He wanted them to see what was in their heart. That's, that's really it. That's why we go through things. It's for God to help us see who we really are. And come to this place of reality with God. And come to this place where we're seeing ourselves. And we're seeing God in reality. And so we can see other, other people in reality. Because you'll never be able to see yeah, I can't see Mr. Austin Baker here in reality if I'm not seeing Byron Wicker in reality. And I can't see Byron Wicker in reality until I begin to see the Lord for who He really is. And when I begin to see God for who He is, I begin to see me for who I am. And then I can see Austin. If you want to see in the Spirit, that's, that's the way it really works. Anyways, okay, Lord, thank you. He said to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Well, they, the Lord knew they weren't going to keep his commandments. Everybody can't keep it. Nobody can keep his commandments. But even Paul the Apostle said that. He said, I could do them all, but if I messed up on one, I've messed up on all of them. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know. Make you know. See, God, this is what God wants to interject himself into our lives. So you would know something. I mean really know it. Not know it in your head, but know it in your heart. Yeah. Okay? That man will not live by prayer alone. This natural world is not the thing that gives us life. No matter what you have or no matter what you do not have, those things are not what gives life. We can enjoy them. It's a pleasure. But it's, at the end of the day, there's no life in them. And they're not supposed to be life in them. I'm trying to find my place. I'm not being spiritual. I'm not hearing God. I'm just like, because <laughs> I'm not the supreme. They'll just stop the middle of message because God's talking to them. That just never happens to me. Man does not live by bread alone, but, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that 
pursues. And so that's our greatest need, I believe, is to live our life based on revelation, based on what God is saying, not based on our circumstances, not based on our situations, not based on what's going on around us in the natural. It's to be based on something else. It's, been, it's to be based on what the Lord is saying. And He wants to give us that, and He wants to produce that in us so that we can walk our, live our lives that way. It is within our reach. If it was in the reach of people that did not have the Holy Spirit living in them, they didn't have the Spirit of God. They didn't have Christ living in them. They had Christ out here as a rock, leading them as a flame, as a cloud. That was as close as they were getting. If they had the opportunity, how much more can we have that opportunity and actually hear the preceding word of the Lord? God really offers that to people. And so I want to tell you some things. Whew, I got some water. Yes and amen. So, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. This is like personal. This is testimony. Now, here's the reason I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this for you, not me. But, just so you can kind of get in touch with what God, with preceding words. I'm just giving you an example of what preceding words have been in my life. Are y'all following that? Just so you won't misunderstand me. Because my Christianity is not glorious on any level. Let me just tell you that. It is unglorious. You know, I mean, that's just, just the way it is. It's just, it's just every day. It's just flat every day. I was, somebody sent me this video. I was watching this preacher. And he was in this massively big church. And it was so awesome. It was so glorious. And I said, Becky, God has ne never sensed me to anything like that. You know who God sends me to? He sends me to poor people. When I go out of this church and do ministry, He always sends me to the poor. He sends me to poor congregations. The last church I preached in in America, in the United States of America, besides this one, you know what their offering was to me? A basket of fruit. And you know why they gave me about it? wasn't they were stingy. They weren't they were idiots. It's because they were so poor. That's all they could do. And they didn't want to hand me ten bucks for what they bought it for. They went out and bought me the fruit and gave it to me. And I'm thinking, well, I don't get to go to places for life. That's so glittery and beautiful, Lord. And, but I've realized, I said, but you know what the glory in all that is? This, there's a scripture in the, in the Proverbs that says, he who gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? He who gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. Yeah. And so whenever you go and you minister to, to people who don't have anything, who can't do anything for you, you you're, you're doing something. You're actually, you know what you're doing? You're going to where Jesus is. You're going to where he's hanging out at. You're going to where he is, is wanting people to go to because, well, they got that big awesome thing going over there. They got more money than they got sense. They're great. We don't need to worry about them. I'm just saying that. Anyways, 
when in this 1970s prophetic vintage word. That's what I'm fixing to tell you. This is a 1970s prophetic, like in a 1970s wine, the vintage, the year. People would pay a lot of money for that old 1971 now. But this is a 1970s. There was, this is the very first prophetic word that I have ever got over my life. And it came from this man who was a prophet, who didn't, didn't call himself a prophet. He called himself, he had a little card that says, a journeyman with Christ. That's what he, that was how he, his name was C.L. Moore. You won't find out much about C.L. Moore. He's not a, uh, he's dead now, obviously. Uh, but he was not, he's not, was never a famous person. I found out recently his grandson was writing a book about him called The Journeyman of Christ. I'm thinking, I'm getting that book. But he, yeah, he prophesied. He's sort of poetic. When he, he was a poet, really, poet prophet. But this was his word. And, he, and this, like, this guy, if he came, if he was alive, that came to church, he prophesied to every person in this room. I mean, that's what he, every one of you would get a word from him. But his word to Becky and I was this. Calling you together in life. That was first. Well, okay, duh. She's my wife. Yeah, that makes it. <laughs> I didn't think that then. I was like, oh, you know. I've never experienced anything like that. Calling you together in life. Calling you together in ministry. You know how far away I was thinking about ministry in those days? A billion miles. I, you know what? It was like, I'm just trying to get through the day without saying bad words. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to be a good person to bad instead of a jerk every day. I mean, ministry, forget ministry. I had no, no dream of ministry. I just wanted to live a Christian life and be a normal person. Not some, you know, I was getting out of darkness. Calling you together uh, in life, calling you together in ministry, and in my hand, a quickened sword. You know what? The Lord fulfilled that. The Lord did that. When I look back, I see that's exactly what God did. That was a proceeding word for me. That was a proceeding word. I'm, I'm going to just keep going a little bit because there's a point to all this. But that was a very powerful word. And, it, and I didn't do jack for it, about it. I didn't go out and try to be in the mess. I just kept trying to get through the day without cussing. That was my immediate goal in those days. Don't cuss. Don't be mean. Don't want to go back and smoke pot, you know, or cigarettes or all that stuff. You know, stay away from that stuff. Just stay away from it. You know, and be good to Becky. The Lord told me one time, you don't you quit treating her like this. He told me, I don't like the way you're treating her. You quit treating her. If you don't, you're gonna lose her. He told me that. That's not me in the reality, man. Because I was I was not a, a good person at that point in time. And I'm still not, apart from <laughs> apart from the Lord. Alright, that was the, the one from the 70s. The other one, uh, that was C.L. Moore. The other one was from our pastor at that time, Harry Vizelle, which is Luann's dad. He was our pastor. And Harry gave me this word. This is what he said to me. I can go back to both those words and I can go back into that moment. You know? And, this, and he said to me, Byron, when you were a little boy, you were afraid of the dark. And I saw you running from light post to light post. Well, when he said that, it's like, uh, 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 you know, oh, God, how did he see that? That was me. I was very afraid. And I can, I can remember those moments of being in the dark and seeing light and running as hard as my legs. 
and carrying me to get the light because I hated darkness. I was afraid, like many <coughs> children are. Uh, but I did do that. I would run. I can remember being out places and running from street light to street light, literally. So he had my attention. And he didn't, then this is what he said to me. This is the way your life was, and this is the way your life will always be. You will go from light to light. You will go from revelation to revelation. You will go from glory to glory. And I didn't even know about that scripture, St. Corinthians 3.18, where it says glory to glory. I had no clue about that. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thing? And that really, that word has come true in my life. That word has been the truth of my life. God reveals himself to me. There's a walking out of it, which lots of times it feels like I'm walking in darkness. And I can't, can't wait to get to the place where I hear and, and in his light again. But he's always been faithful to bring me from, from those places. Well, those were... And then I've had a lot of prophetic words, uh, you know, from other people like Bob Jones. I don't want to go through that, but I want to shift and talk about another way that God's preceding word has come into my life is through revelation of the Scripture. Okay? And um, God has given certain Scriptures to me in my life that have been powerfully meaningful to me, and they have shaped my life. And there's, there's, these are scriptures that are very powerful to me. And when I look back on them, I can see how, how, why I have gone the way I've gone. It's, it's a lot based on these scriptures. Uh, the, and this, this would be what I would consider my life scripture. It says this in Colossians 3. Uh, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, not the things of the earth. Set your what? Mind. On things above, not on things here. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I can't, God gave me that scripture uh, back in the 1980s, and it, had, it was revolutionary to me when He gave it to me. The whole thing was revolutionary to me. It changed, my life started changing that, that day. And I can look back, everything that I have, all this fascination I have with the mind, the mind of Christ, it all came out of that scripture. Out of that one scripture. That one scripture has led my life and has, has put this hunger in me to, to experience the mind of Christ and to learn how to think with my life, to think about, learn how to think what I'm supposed to think and what I'm not supposed to think. It's been, been a very... Very, very real scripture, but there's, there's been others. There's been other scriptures that's been powerful to me, real powerful to me. Um, uh, one of them was, I, I even talked to you about already, one of them was the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus was baptized. And it says the heavens were ripped open, and the Father spoke to him. That scripture changed my life. That, that scripture changes my life every day. That scripture, a scripture I go back to constantly was what God said to Jesus. You are my beloved son. That scripture has taught me what, how God relates to me and how God sees me. That I'm precious to him. That he loves me. That he's a father. And there's been times in my life, literally, where I felt unloved, 
I felt reject and I felt pushed away. And that's the scripture I go to. And keep, and keep saying, but no, this is what God says. He says, I love you. I accept you for who you are. I want you for who you are. It's, it's a very powerful scripture. For me, it's not just a words on a page. For me, it's a reality of my life. And of course, there's John uh, 14, which is, you know, when Jesus said, oh, I just, it's the whole chapter. I'm taking a lot of time on this. I've got to hurry up. Look at the clock. This is supposed to be a short message. Are y'all okay? I'm telling you personal things, but there's a point to this. Trust me. I'll, I'll speed it up. John 14. Powerful. The whole chapter. But there's a few things that it says I will not leave you as an orphan. That one scripture, the Lord spoke to me when, in the moment he was breaking an orphan spirit off me when I never even heard of a, such a thing. I thought, what is that, Lord? And this is what he said to me. John 14, 18. It says, I will not leave you as an orphan. And I was walking as an orphan in my life. I lived as an orphan. I thought as an orphan. I did stuff as an orphan. I treated other people because I was an orphan. I treated them badly. I was threatened by them. Orphans are threatened because they don't have a real identity. Now, it was life-changing for me. I love the other one he says in there in John 14. Jesus, they said, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough. That's a, a powerful scripture. When we begin to see the Father, everything's answered in our life. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you haven't known me? You, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a powerful scripture. And then there's Ephesians 1, praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most prayed. I have three prayers that I pray all the time. One is help, Lord. That's my number one prayer. The second one is mercy, Lord. And I'm serious. And the third one is, is this prayer in Ephesians 1. That the eyes of my understanding might be enlightened. That I might see the hope of his calling. That I might see how glorious of an inheritance that I and you are in him. And that I might see his power. Well, it's a very powerful scripture. It's, it's just a life-changing scripture. Okay, let me just see here. Oh, i got to tell you one more. Luke chapter 24. How many people know about the road to Emmaus? Does that scripture not just grip you every time you read it? Does that not just burn? Have you ever just read that and you felt the burning that they were feeling? Have you ever, have you ever read that and stepped into their bodies of, of the disappointment of the questions and all that that was going on. And then Jesus shows up and they don't even know it's Him. And He starts talking to them. And they don't even know that God's walking down the road with them. Talking to them. They don't know it. How many have you had that experience? And But when they do see Him, He disappears. Like, ah, wait. <laughs> you know, come back. But they said this, didn't our hearts burn within us? And that's really, man, that thing, that scripture is just powerful. I mean, that's the, probably one scripture I cannot escape in my life. Like it just keeps coming back to me. And then there's the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 14. Y'all know that one well, right? There's a father, there's an elder brother, and there's a prodigal son. And that's a beautiful script, scripture because for me, because I've been every one of them. I've been a father who's been rejected by my sons. I know what it feels like to be rejected. By, my, by people that I love the most. I know the pain 
I know the hurt of it. I also know what it feels like to be an elder brother trying to earn everything and being offended when I see God do stuff with people who don't, in my opinion, don't deserve it. I know that feeling. I've been that elder brother, but I've also been that prodigal. I've been a prodigal. I've, I've drifted from the Lord. And I've had the Lord receive me and accept me and love me over and over and over. And it, so it's just powerful. It's such a powerful revelation in those scriptures that if, you, if they become a revelation, they'll become a preceding word in your life. They will be the thing that propels you forward. And, you know, to me, they're like, I, I liken it to like a, a restaurant that I love. Anybody got any favorite restaurants? You keep going back there over and over and eating in that restaurant. That's what the scriptures are to me. I just keep going back to them. In fact, I, I have to be careful, honestly, about preaching. Because I could preach all the time out of those scriptures. I had to like, no, I can't keep, everybody's tired of hearing that. They're bored with those scriptures. They're just like, oh, well, here we go again, you know. But the truth is, everything that I talk about, those are operating in the background of my life. Why? Because they're a preceding word of God. They're, they're not just some theology. They're not some doctrine. Those scriptures have become a part of me. They've become a part of me, and they have directed my life. And But here's the thing. If you begin, I want you to, I want this to stimulate you. I'm sorry I'm spitting so much. I must have a Pentecostal anointing on me. Actually, I think it's this fizzy drink I'm drinking. Fizzy water. It's really good. It really is. But let me read this 1 Timothy 1.18. This is powerful. I'm getting to the end. This charge I commit to use Timothy according to what? The prophecy. Previously made concerning you, the prophecies, the preceding words, the prophetic words, the scriptures that God has made a real in your life. I'm speaking to you about these things. I'm talking to you about these things. This is how you're going to, by them, you, you may wage the good warfare. By them, you have a weapon. They're like an arsenal for Christians. When the devil comes in, when the devil starts wearing you out, and when the devil starts talking to you and telling you how sorry you are, you have something to fire back at him. You have a two-edged sword, which means half of it's the Lord's, one side's the Lord. The two, actually, it literally means two-tongued sword. The two-edged sword is a two-tongued sword. Have you ever noticed you have a, a line down the middle of your tongue? Does anybody know that? <laughs> well, that's the picture. One side of the sword's the Lord. The other side is you. It's the words that God has given you that you can begin to speak against the devil. That's how you how you learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit. You can't just take stuff and randomly say it because it's written in the Bible and expect it to work. It doesn't work like that. But if it's a reality in you, it's yours, you can use it. And you can do warfare with it. You can battle with it. You can battle with it. You can take and you can do some things with it. I had this powerful dream years and years ago. And the sword thing speaks to me because of this dream. In this dream, I was out in the middle of nowhere. I was out in the middle of the wilderness. And I had this huge sword. And the sword was so big, it was too heavy for me. It was like I couldn't. And I was trying, I was trying to learn how to use the sword. But the sword was overpowering me. It was just too much for me. And the Lord spoke to me. And he told me, just 
Let the sword lead. Flow with the sword. Don't try to, don't try to make the sword work for you. Let it flow, flow with it. And it was like I tapped into the life of the sword. And suddenly the sword took a life of its own on me. And I was just kind of going around with the sword, man. I had all this anointing and power on me because I could suddenly use this sword that was amazing. And that's and I've realized it's these things, these, these prophetic words, these prophetic scriptures that God has spoken about that make up the sword. And, it, and I can flow with them. I can use them when I need them. And that's why God wants you to realize and, and begin to think about what He has said to you in your life. And words, prophecies over your life. And scriptures that are real to you. And he wants you, he wants you to delve deeper. When somebody preaches on any of those scriptures I was talking about, I always pay attention because in some ways I feel like I own those scriptures. Those scriptures are mine. What are, what are they saying? Number one, how, how dare them use that scripture? That's my scripture. But there's another part. It's like, oh, I want to hear what they're saying because they might bring me deeper into that scripture. They might tell me something I don't know. And I can embrace and I can bring it into me. And I can go deeper in those scriptures. Because I expect to live those. I expect when I'm, if I live to be 90, I expect to still be getting revelation out of that Mark 1 out of Jesus' baptism. I expect God to still be talking to me for the rest of my life. And so what I want to do is encourage you this morning and tell you God has something to say to you. And God has been saying stuff to you. And God has given you things. He's given you things. And He wants you to bring them to mind and begin to think about them and begin to store them in your heart. Like it said, Mary took all these things about Jesus and put them in her heart. The safest place you have is your heart. And you put them in there and let them grow in there and let them become something in you. And let them make you into the person that God designed you to be. That's what they'll do. Everybody talks about having a destiny. Everybody talks about identity. This is what makes up your destiny and identity. It's the preceding word of God. It's what God has declared. Because He's the Father. He created you. You know the Bible tells us this. That every person that was ever born on this earth. God actually literally touched them in the womb. That's why every human being is, be, is worth to be celebrated. It's because the creator of heaven touched them. Everybody in this room, you've been touched by God, whether you know it or not. He touched you in the womb. Once I did a funeral for an old man. He was old. He lived his life. It was time for him to go. And it was a great funeral. The next week I was asked to do a funeral for a baby who was born dead. I was crushed because I had just done that. was able to celebrate a life. I was able to celebrate a life well lived. But here was a life I never got a chance to live. And you know what the Lord told me? That life's worth celebrating. Because I created that life. And that life is living on. God wants you to know that He celebrates your life today. And God wants you to know, whether you know it or not, He has said stuff to you. He's put stuff... See, that was the thing that really got me about the, the, the poor thing. 
Because I was looking at my life like, what am I doing with my life, Lord? I've asked the Lord, Lord, am I making a difference? Am I making a difference, Lord? Because I don't want to live my life on this earth and not make a difference. And everybody's got that in them. Everybody in this room's got that in them. Whether you think it or not, you've got that down inside of you. You want to make a difference. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to go out and fail. <laughs> Nobody does. I'm going to get up. I want to really fail today. I want to go and preach the worst message ever. I want it to be so boring that people are mad. <laughs> you know, throwing stuff, trying to make them to stop. Nobody thinks that way. But here's what's happened to me in recent time. I'm just throwing this out to you. Is my, my definition of success is starting to change. Because there's this thought that one day... God is going to come talk to me and say, hey, I gave talents to people. You know that story in the Bible? I gave one man five, one man one, one man five and ten, something like that, right? And the one guy, like, oh, I mean, he was, he was tough. He was rough. He was kind of hard to deal with, God. So I hid it so he could have it back. He wasn't happy. You get what I'm saying? My thought was this, you know. Not that I just want to have a bunch of double the talents. It's like, I want the Lord to be happy. That's what I want. I want when I have to be accountable for my life that I can say, Lord, I didn't just go just do this. I, I wanted to do it the way you want it done. I want it lived the way you wanted it. That you're happy with it. That's what you call the fear of God. That's the fear of God. That's how it's working in my life. And it's what James says. Anybody, I've read that scripture recently. Thought, oh no, I've messed up. James says, he who teaches the word is going to get a severe judgment. I thought, I just ruined my life. Why did I do this? I'm going to get a severe judgment. It scares me now. I've known that scripture was the truth for years. And I was sort of like, mm, I don't want to think too much about it. But it's the truth. And it means something. It means something for all of us. I don't know what I'm telling you. I, I got to stop. Okay, I really do. I just want to end this thing about saying this. This is important. Because I think we all struggle with, you know, this kind of thing. This is why I think we all, I, I didn't give them the scripture. It's 1 Thessalonians 19 through 20. Listen, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. In other words, what are you saying? If you despise prophecies, you're quenching the Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. If you despise this kind of thing, you're quenching the Holy Spirit, and which literally means like a hose pipe, slam your foot down and cut the flow of the Spirit off in your life. Nobody wants that. I don't. I need that. I sort of need the flow of the Holy Spirit. Here's why we despise prophecies many times. Well, we're just idiots. I was too—I was too much of an idiot to mess up those words back in the day. Okay, I didn't know any better. But if somebody gave me a word like that, they guess what I do? Well, this is what this means. This is how this is going to work. And I would proceed down this road, trying to make this word of God be fulfilled. And I would come to a place of total failure. A lot of times we don't, we're not good at interpreting. We're not good at, at applying prophetic stuff. 
Really not. And so what happens a lot of times, people get disappointed, it doesn't work out, or it doesn't happen on their timetable. And so you, you get where you're just like, oh, don't give me them old prophetic words for 218. You ever thought that? How many people have th- literally thought that? Don't lie to me. If I hear another prophetic word for the year, I'm going to go slap somebody. <laughs> or if I get a prophetic word in my inbox that's 10 miles long, and I get one every day from the same person, I'm thinking, can this be God? That somebody gets that much stuff. I don't know if y'all think that way, but that's how I think. I mean, that, I knew one person knew one of the greatest prophets of our generation. He didn't get that much stuff. Like, how are you getting that? And he didn't. If you're, you know, but here's the thing. It's like, well, that ain't none of your business, Byron. Whether that's me, if that speaks to you, awesome. If it don't, that's fine. It's maybe speaking to somebody else and leave it alone, right? You're not the judge. You know, I can act like a judge. And you know why? This is this other scripture. Don't quench. Don't quench. Don't despise. Because Revelations 19 said, 19.10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we start despising that, we're despising the testimony of the Lord Jesus himself. So that's, that's the thing. Okay? We don't want to do that. Right? Nobody would do that. Nobody in their right mind. We don't want to despise anything, Jesus. Testimony. We want to love Jesus. We want to kiss Jesus' testimony. We want to kiss Jesus. Because he's awesome and he's beautiful and he's wonderful. It's the Holy Spirit who's sort of reckless. <laughs> the wild goose. You know, he's the one that wrecks churches. <laughs> really don't. It's not him wrecking a church. It's just that he does stuff and it wrecks people's theology. Yeah. And everybody gets messed up. Okay. Alright, I wanted to tell you this. And I'm finishing. This was really a long message, and I promised it was going to be short. I want to tell you this. Lord, help. I just feel, Lord. I feel the Lord started speaking to me last fall. And I could tell it was something shifting inside of me. And he started talking to me about the season where going to come into. And he told me there were some scriptures that were important. And there were the scriptures in the scriptures I'm not reading to you this morning. <laughs> the Lord's funny. I'm getting in with his humor. I'm going to tell you about these scriptures, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not even going to read them. And they were fussing at me about that because they were too much. <laughs> They were having to convert. It's, it's when Jesus asked his disciples who the people say he was. Mm. You know that story. Mm. And he told me that those scriptures are important for now. So he told him those are important by her. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know those scriptures. I know, I know those scriptures. And I've, I've preached a lot of those scriptures. In fact, those scriptures are some of my my scriptures. So I'm glad you're talking about it. He says, no, no, no. You, you need to go back to those scriptures. There's something else in those scriptures I want to talk to you about. So I've been thinking about those scriptures. I'll just tell you this. There's two things in there for sure. One, for this season, the revelation of Christ, who Christ is to you, is really, really big. Not who Christ is to me, who Christ is to you. That's big. And the other thing is this. 
it was the first time Jesus talked about being crucified, going to the cross. The first time in his entire ministry that he brought that subject up. Cross, important. Those two things are really important. Very important for the spiritual season we're entering into. I mean, I ain't saying this is no 2018 word, trust me. Larry Randolph told me a couple years ago, I don't do that no more. You probably shouldn't do it either. That's what he told me. You know what he told me? I'll tell you something right there. He said, you know what all these prophets are doing? They're, it's like they got a handful of noodles and they're throwing them against the wall. And whatever sticks is the word. <laughs> the rest of them. <laughs> now, this is a prophet telling me this. So I'm just saying. I'm not throwing a noodle against the wall. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. This is not a noodle. You know. So I'm just going to stop. But I do believe this. I do believe Good old Judy, right? <laughs> Gotta do what mothers say, right? No. Here. There's a lot in that scripture. Okay? Those are two, two things that really are important. There's other stuff the Lord has been showing me. I just feel, um, you know, I think the thing that was really getting me in, in the, was, is, is really what I said to you is, I want you. I want you to grab a hold. Who do men say that I am? I want you to grab a hold of something yourself. I, and that's why I told you all that stuff. You see, I didn't feel like my life mattered to nothing. You know, that's, that's the way I felt like my ministry amounts. So I go pretty somewhere to hand me a basket of fruit. This is in the United States. It's not in you know, South America or in Africa or some place. What is this, Lord? That's when he began to talk to you. He began to tell me. He began to say, I want you to see your life different. I want you to see what's really real here. Forget all the, gl the glamour and the glitter. I want you to look at what's really real. Because that's what really counts. It's not all that other stuff. That stuff's going to come and go. But this word of the Lord stands forever. And whatever God has given you, whatever God has put in you, you're going to take that to heaven it's not just for here. You're going to literally carry that into to, to the heaven when you pass on. And it's going to live on with you in heaven. In fact, probably part of all this matches that the people talk about is probably a lot of it has to do with not what you did, but what's in you. What God has built in you is probably being built in heaven. Your mansion in heaven is probably what's being built inside of you right now. And this is important. And so what I want you to see that you have something already. God has already spoken to some of Some of you know these scriptures that speak to you. They're yours. They're your revelation of Christ. They're yours. And God wants to remind you. Some of you have prophetic words that have stuck with you. And stuck with you and stuck with you and stuck with you. And he wants you to bring them to remembrance. That's how you deal with your troubles. That's how you deal with your life. That's how you build your life. That's your, that is your lane. That's, you get in your lane and you stay in your lane. And that's what, I will tell you this. That is the one word the Lord gave me for 2018. This is my idea. Stay in your lane. I got up on 
I got to stop. I got up in 2018. I said, well, just in case you want to tell me something, Lord. I mean, I'm available. And this is what he said. Immediately I heard these words. Stay in your lane. If you don't know what your lane is, ask him. And you can find it out because your lane's in you. All that stuff I said, that's, that's what has to do with my lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And if you'll stay in your lane, you will get to where you're going. And you'll get there faster and easier than you will in Marlin's lane. I can't get Marlin's lane. I'd get killed. <laughs> Y'all stand up. I've I got more to say. I can't. I'm darn, man. I didn't mean to say half what I said. Somehow y'all tricked me this morning. Tricked me into saying stuff. If you carry anything away this morning, please carry away. Please carry away that God's real in your life and that you have stuff. Please carry that away. That's the most important thing. That you have your own arsenal. You have your own sword. You have your own revelation. You do have it. It's in you. Ask the Lord. If you don't know what it is, ask Him. Lord, help me tap into it. Help me to hear it. Help me to see it. Help me start seeing my life different. Help me to start seeing it the way you see it. And when you start seeing that, then you can get in your lane and you can just book you down the road. Amen? Lord, I just thank you today for... Uh, the people in this room and the, their families. Mm. And we just bless them. We just bless them. We just bless them. Because they're your people, Lord. And you love them. And Lord, you're a generous Lord. There's no haves and there's no have-nots in your kingdom. And so I just ask you, Lord, that Every person in this room today, you begin to remind them, they begin to start, their memory will be stirred and they will remember stuff you've said, things that are meaningful to them, that are real to them. They would, they would begin to bring that together in their life. I'm here to connect with you. I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Byron. Well, that's how I ended up a river life. It was a proceeding word. I never came down here to be a pastor, to be honest with you. All I had was you need to go to Morris. I didn't even know who, where Morris was. So, that word is important. But I'm going to release this over you guys. So, Father, we just ask you this morning. Or this afternoon now, Lord. That you just speak to every single person that is in this room. That is looking for a word from you, Father. A word for them, for direction of life, for decisions that they need to make, Father. And I just ask you, since you're such a good Father, speak to us. And just say this, just say, Father, I'll open up my heart. Just say that, Father, i open up my heart. That you will speak to me whichever way you want to speak to me. And you say, Amen. So you guys be released, be blessed.